We're going to get straight into it this morning. Um, if you get your Bible ready, we are going to um, run around everywhere. And um, you can be released, Teague's all good. Now, I need some help real quick. So I might get you four to stay up here for a moment. I'm going to need your help. And I might grab you three at the end, Justin down. Um, uh, yeah, Chloe, KB, if you guys come up as well. All right, we're going to talk about um, being all in today. All in, fully committed, uh, full commitment, all in. These guys are all in because they're on the stage and they don't actually know yet what I'm going to ask them to do. Um, but we're going to have some fun. Uncross your arms, young man. I'm just kidding. If you hop over here, if you all hop over here, uh, what we're going to do, uh, I'm going to ask uh, you all, you're going to get a number, uh, one to seven. So one, KB, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Okay? Now, I'm going to make a line down the middle of, of, this, of this stage. So this middle line down here is neutral. Okay? So this middle line is neutral. If you head towards the drum kit, this means at the stage in Peter's life, this is where you think he was committed. So if he was really committed, you're as far over here as you can get. Now, you float back to here. We're talking about the Apostle Peter. I'll read the story. You don't need to know his whole life. And then if you, this is back to neutral, if he's fully not committed, he's uncommitted, he's running, he's doing a whole bunch of stuff, it's this side. Okay, so it can be anywhere in his life. Okay, um, and you all good, Chloe, you're up first. So come and stand at neutral. Everybody, this is Chloe. Okay, I'm going to read a scripture. And then what will happen? Let's go to the next slide, Jim. Not yet. Yeah, look at that. All right, here's our little scale for everybody in our church. I came up with this myself. So if you have a look, we've got here levels of commitment. We see the neutral line so that you can all see it. Um, for everybody in our church, please note that the writing is on the top half of the screen. You're welcome. You're welcome. Okay, so what's happening is down this side, no commitment at all. Okay, that's that way for you guys. Up the top is all in commitment and the middle line is neutral. Okay. Now there is no right or wrong here. So if you're different to what I guessed, it's a guess. Okay. So there is no right or wrong. All right. So we're talking about the Apostle Peter, great man of God. Absolutely. But we all have to start somewhere. So in Matthew chapter 4, verses 8, verses 18 to 20, it says this, As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, He saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come and follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. So they get called by Jesus and they begin to follow him. So where on the level of commitment do you think that is at that stage? Okay, about here. That's a good choice. Uh, so it, this is the committed side. And you think that, you think that, we're just starting the journey. Yeah, I think that was true. So if we go to the next slide, this is where I put it. See, look at that, not bad. That's right, that's where I reckon as well. I'm thinking, you know why I think he's that neutral? He hasn't know, he doesn't know what's in front of him, eh? Does he know? So come follow me, I'll make you a fisherman of men. What the heck does that mean? I suppose I'm in, I mean, he's a rabbi. How are we gonna, we're gonna hook him in the mouth? What are we gonna do? You know, so I'm in because you're a rabbi. And I'm a fisherman and that's a way better gig. But I don't, I, I'm just in. So I agree. I totally agree. 
All right. KB, they're at the Last Supper. Come and stand at neutral. Everyone give KB a hand. All right. Yep, right there. That's you're in the middle. You can choose this way is in, that way is out. So at the Last Supper, this is now if you want to turn to Matthew 26, 31 to 35. Then Jesus told them, This very night you will fall away on my account, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep, uh, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you to Galilee. So this is Peter now. He replied, Even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. Okay? So at this point, What's happening is Jesus is saying, you're going to deny me. And Peter's saying, if everybody does, I'm not going to deny you. So is he all in or all out? And how all in is he? Up to you. You have a guess? Oh, a little bit more. A little bit more committed. Have you seen my slide? Go to the next one. KB, give me some. Give me some. Correct. That's my daughter, see? Tell you what. Smarts, they run in the family. Praise the Lord for April. So at this stage, he's all in. He's like, man, if everybody, everybody denies you, I'm not going to deny you, Jet. Everyone give it up for Justin. They're in the garden, John 18. I'll move a bit quicker. They come to arrest Jesus and somehow he swings his sword. I potentially think he's going at the head, but his balance was off and he whips through the ear. Okay. So he's ready to fight to the death for Jesus at this point. Where do you reckon he is on the level of commitment at that stage? It's great encouragement. You're all in. And that was also him kind of telling him the answer. Keep your mouth clean. Uncross your arms. Do we agree with that? Do you think at that point, what was he thinking? And was he aiming at the ear? These are the things I ponder because that's incredible if he was. It's like, I don't even know. I wanted to get a, like a plastic sword at this stage, but I don't even trust my aim with the plastic sword. You put the answer up there, it is full commitment right there. As high as it can go, we agree. All right, Teagues. In the very next chapter, come on, you get to neutral. It says this, so he's just chopped off the ear. And in John 18, 26 to 27, one of the high priest's servants, a relative, awkward, of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, challenged him. Did I see you with him in the garden? And again, Peter denied it. And at that moment, the rooster began to crow. Where do you think he is at that stage? He's denying Jesus. Let's have a look what I put. I reckon, yeah, it's definitely not all in. It says he swore a couple times. You know, you've got to add the flagrantness when you're trying to relift you. And that would have been like a moment if you think about it. He's all in. And then he's getting called out by the family of the guy and he's denying Jesus. I totally agree. Next one up. I'll keep moving. All right, this time. This is John 21, 15 and 17. Now, there's heaps of other examples in Peter's life, but these are just a few as we do a character study. So, Nath, if you come over, get neutral. It says, when they had uh, finished eating, Jesus said, 
That's the next one. I'll read this one. John 21, 2 to 3. Simon Peter and Thomas, also known as Didymus. Stick with Thomas. Nathaniel from Cana and Galilee and the son of Zebedee and the two other disciples. He says, I'm going fishing. Okay, so at this point, he's chopped off an ear, he's denied, and now he's hanging about fishing. Yeah, okay. I kind of agree. If we have a look at the next one, I reckon, yeah, pretty a little bit out. He's not really doing anything. That's good because you can hang about, but if you're not doing something, are you really doing anything? You know, that's right. So he's a little bit out. All right, so the next one. Lock, if you come in. He's gone fishing, but Jesus is... We've got a maths teacher enjoying the graphs is what that little whisper was. I'm all in on the graphs. Good man. Just get a scale on there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, we need a scale and percentage. Okay, so Jesus is on the beach, calls Peter back, and he says to Peter, do you love me? Peter says, of course I love you. So where is he at that moment now? Oh, I reckon he's all in. Yeah, but that's all right. You're wrong, Mr. Graff, but hey. But that's all right. That's good. I think he's all in at that point. And the reason, and it could be the other way, is because the fact that he genuinely knew Jesus asked him three times. He's been restored at that moment. Um, so that's what's happening. But it won't matter because your graph is fine. I'm going to talk about your graph and my graph in a minute. I'll clean it up. You'll be right. Don't stress. And then finally, young man, great job today. It's the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit's just come, right? Peter's addressing a massive crowd. He's preaching the gospel of Jesus and 3,000 people are added. The birth of the church. 3,000 people respond to Jesus after his preaching. Where do you reckon he is at that point? Who agrees with that? Okay, okay. Now, looking at the scale, this is Peter. Now, there's heaps of other examples. He's on the water. He's stepping out in faith. He's sinking up and down and up and down. Right here is an example of what people think the level of commitment is. Right there, for you, it may be different. But there's three things that I want to lean into in this moment when we look at Peter and we look at our lives when it comes to all in. But first, let's give these guys a hand. Thank you for coming up and helping. Appreciate it. Okay, if we go to the next slide, here is the first thing. The life of a disciple is never simple. It's never, never simple. If we look at Peter... That is just an example of one person's life. Just imagine if you had made it into the Gospels for just a second. Imagine your journey was put on a screen thousands of years later. Would yours have the same up and down, all in and all out moment? I think it would. I think that every season of life isn't without its challenges when you follow Jesus. You're going to have great victories and you will finish in victory. But it doesn't mean that we're immune to imperfect moments. Moments where our sinfulness creeps to the forefront. Our attitudes that may not be the best. 
Rejection may happen. When you follow Jesus, life will have ups and downs. In every season, there's going to be something that you absolutely love. There's going to be something that you really dislike. And in every season, there's things that you just have to grind out. You just have to endure. You're going to have moments where you're full of faith. You're going to have moments where you just can't find some. There are going to be moments when you wish you had conducted yourself better. You know, I think about it as a young man, and I've shared this before, that there are times when I acted as a young man, I wish that I could have uh, I've just taken back my action. You know, I get that because I think about Peter. I'm sure that there are things in his journey, in the lives of his up and down emotions, where he just wished he could pull back that conduct. Has anybody ever been there? I remember as a young man, my friends decided that they would go shoplifting. And I said, I will not shoplift. But I put in an order. But if you're stealing stuff, grab me this. Now, at the time, I thought I was being an example. I will never shoplift. You know, but I realised many years later, it was like a moment. I still remember lying in bed. I was like, I was an accessory. I'm like, get me that Toblerone, the big one. And I'd wait out the front. I was like, I was the getaway driver. I just had a moment with the bikes. I had them all ready. I didn't think about it. But years later, I wished because I loved Jesus with all my heart in that moment, but my maturity wasn't in line with my conviction. And what happened is because of that immaturity, I thought I was doing the right thing, but yet I wasn't doing the right thing. And until I matured years later, I realised, so can God love people that are immature and emotional responses? Absolutely. Because His grace covers our ups and downs. There are going to be moments in our life where we're crying in worship and we're seeking God and we're full of passion. And it's like, Lord, I'll do anything. And then in the next minute, you're complaining about a work colleague. You're lying to people. You're not turning your phone on silent in church. (laughs) You're treating your family in a manner that doesn't bring honour and glory to God. And then in the next breath, you're back on your knees. Asking God for forgiveness. Asking God to help you. Full of passion in one breath. Full of doubt and confusion in the next. This is life. And God's grace covers it. Peter, when you think about it, cut off a person's ear. You know that in that moment, he was getting ready to fight to the death to protect Jesus. And literally, as you read John chapter 18, in the next moment, he's denying he ever knew him. I want to encourage you today by saying this. The gospel is not outcome based. It's grace-based. If it was outcome-based, Peter would have been disqualified as an apostle. He failed. If the story was about performance, it would never be about God's grace and His mercy and His Son, Jesus. We can't ever outperform the work of the cross. 
So don't judge another person's journey. Don't judge another person's imperfections. Because I am sure that Jesus is far less judgmental than we think he is. The gospel message is about the power and the work of Jesus Christ. If it was outcome based and Jesus is waiting on the beach and, and, and Peter's jumped out the boat, let's think about it, outcome based. And he gets up to the shore and Jesus says to him, let's talk about your actions. Let's talk about it. You know, when you're asking the questions, it's called a guided conversation. You let me know how you think you went. If you ever get asked that questions, keep it simple. Don't spill the beans. <laughs> but do you know why you can? Because if it was outcome-based, that would be the questions. But the gospel isn't outcome-based, it's relational. You know the question that Jesus needs to ask him? Do you love me? Yes, Jesus, of course I do. We'll feed my sheep. Peter, I've got to know. I don't need to know how you went. I don't need to know how you're feeling. I need to know, do you love me? We'll feed my sheep. And then a third time, Jesus says, do you love me? It says in the scripture that Peter's hurt, that Jesus would ask him another time because from the depth of of who he is, with all his heart, he says, Jesus, you know I love you. But what Jesus was doing in that moment, say, my grace, it covers you. I love you, and I know that you love me. There are some people here that need to remember today that if Jesus was to see you, the question wouldn't be, how have you been? How have you handled things? It would be, do you love me? Because from a relationship like that, you do your best to please the person that you love. So when I pondered and I looked at it, I've realised that there's a difference between condemnation and conviction. I've shared this before. And I think it's important that in your life you understand the difference between condemnation and conviction. If you go about and you're trying to serve Jesus and you mess up, the enemy will come in and say, you're not worthy. You're a hypocrite. And what does that do? It creates greater separation between you and God because you are separating yourself out of a false guilt. But conviction that comes through the Holy Spirit is different to condemnation because conviction says to you, do you love me? Because if you truly love me, you'll want to do better. And it draws you back to God. It draws you back to Christian community. So are there people in the room today? Are there people online that are watching? Well, you've been walking around in condemnation rather than conviction. You need to recognise that today and rebuke what is trying to create a gap between you and God. And this is the terminology that I want you to hold on to. Don't go fishing. Everybody say, don't go fishing. If you're at home and you're paying attention, why don't you put it in the chat? What does that mean? So what happens is Peter has denied Jesus three times 
And now he says to his mates, I'm returning to my old way of life. I'm going fishing. Do you know what that is? That's the place you go when you feel you've disappointed God. For some people, you go, oh, I've stuffed up again. And where is the place that you go when you feel you've disappointed God? For some people, is it shopping? For some people, is it eating? For some people, is it pornography? For some people, is it something where you go, I've disappointed God. So now I'm going to a place where I just sit in my own disappointment. Don't go fishing. Because what happens is there's always a moment where Jesus is waiting on the beach for you, wanting to call you back and restore you and send you out. Because while He's out fishing, Jesus is waiting to call Him back to restore him and to send him out with purpose. Don't go fishing. Don't go to that place where you go, oh, I've just, I've I've let God down. Don't create a gap. Don't get lazy, but rather come back to Jesus. Repent, ask him for forgiveness and go again. Now, I actually believe that there's a person in this room and as I was preparing this, and we've been away half the week, it was a busy one. But I felt the Lord say that there's a person, I was watching a video clip of this person who is an athlete and he's talking about go one more. You know, he's doing a workout and he's getting tired and his body's getting fatigued. But the statement that he keeps telling himself is go one more. You know, there's a scripture that I want to read that says this in Matthew 6, 33, 34. And it's very simple. I, I believe there's a person here. There may be more than one. You need to stay in the moment. Don't think about what you've done. Think about who Jesus is and keep striving as it is. It says in Matthew 6, 33 to 34, Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Today has enough trouble of its own. Don't be too hard on yourself. Don't throw yourself under the bus, but rather go one more. Go, God, I'm going to do my best today to serve you. I'm starting again. Be repentant, confess it, and move forward in the name of Jesus. Father, whoever that person is today, Lord, I pray that they won't give up They'll keep striving forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Christ will always call you to himself. He's there. He's waiting. He doesn't go anywhere. Our perspectives may shift, but he is there. I remember pondering, and I've had in 17 years of driving, I've had one ticket. Uh, I am conservative driver. April says, the accelerator's on the right-hand side, Charles. Let's go. Let's move. And if anybody's ever tried to, uh, like a convoy, like following people, I never can keep up. I love, I love, you know, what is it? Um, wipe off five, save a life. Wipe off ten, make a friend. You know, that's my thing. It's April, don't like it at all. She says, it doesn't work. It works for me. But I got a ticket as a young man. And um, I remember uh, just simply being an inexperienced driver and thinking that the orange light was orange enough for me to progress through. Um, And I went through, it was a red light, and a police officer was waiting to meet me, and it was a lovely moment in my life. Um, Turned out at that time, I'm not a car guy. I like, enjoy the comforts, but I'm not like a, yeah. Anyway, it turns out my tyres were bald. Uh, Multiple things wrong with the vehicle. So they sent me home. uh, the police officer was actually 
He was a, he was a great man. He, he showed me grace, but he said, you've got to get new tyres. I'm not going to fine you for that because that'll cost you money, but I'm going to fine you for the red light. And I remember coming home. I remember seeing my dad. I just burst into tears. Just frustrated and I was annoyed at myself. And at the time, when you're working at Hungry, Hungry Jack's for eight bucks an hour, you know, a $320 fine, you're like, Lord, it's like a mortgage to me at that moment. <laughs> and I remember my dad seeing the level of remorse and he paid for a portion of the ticket. Now, he wasn't rewarding my bad behaviour. He had seen that I was repentant and that was a sign of him saying to me, I still believe in you. I still believe in you. You're a good driver. I know you're sensible. And what happens is we drive around thinking that that ticket that we've received, we have to pay in full. It could be a maturity issue. It could be an experience issue, but know that Jesus isn't waiting to, to reprimand you. He's waiting to love and guide you and through the work of the Holy Spirit in your life, mature you. Now, I need to say this, and, and, and we, we all know what I'm about to say is that God's grace and His mercy and His power in our life is no excuse to go and sin. It's not a let's sin for free card. We know that in our life. But through a relationship with the Holy Spirit, we know that we can walk it out faithfully. You can actually resist sin. You can overcome sin by the power of the Holy Spirit at work in your life. In Galatians 5, 24 and 25, write that down. It says this, Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified their flesh with its passion and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become deceited, provoking and envying one another. When the Holy Spirit is in your life, you live a Spirit-led life. This is the point. This is what Jesus did. When you look at Peter's life, it's had ups and downs. The whole purpose of that is so do we. I don't know your whole story, but I know that we've all fallen short of the grace of God. We've all done things we regret. We've all done things we want to take back. But God's mercy goes beyond that. And He left us the Holy Spirit to help us walk out of life as we become more like Jesus. Because imperfect people can be used by the Holy Spirit. Teagues, I'll get you to come and join me. You know, often we talk ourselves out of the opportunities God's giving us because we focus more on what we can't do rather than who God is. And Paul is another dude, but Peter, who I'm talking about, denied Jesus. He fled. He did things wrong. But yet when the Holy Spirit came in Acts chapter 2, He was present and He was filled with the Holy Spirit. And even though He was imperfect, He had His flaws, He was still used by the Holy Spirit. On the day of Pentecost and, and the moment the church is birthed, in Acts 2.41, we see that Peter addresses the crowd and 3,000 people are added. He gets to preach on day one of the beginning of the church. But how do I know that the Holy Spirit uses imperfect people? Well, Peter was one of them. 
And in Acts chapter 2, verses 14, it says this, Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews, and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. Now, he's saying, listen carefully to what I say. He's an imperfect person and he is being used by the Holy Spirit. How do I know that? Well, it says that he addressed the crowd, addressed the crowd, addressed the crowd. If you go backwards to Acts chapter 2, verse 4, when you look at that scripture, it says this, and they were all filled by the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. As the Spirit gave them utterance. When you look at the original language of the words that as Peter addressed and the word utterance, it is the same word. And I believe in, and a lot of theologians believe, not just me in this moment, that that word was repeated to indicate that it was as much an utterance when the Holy Spirit filled them as it was in this moment. It was an inspired utterance as He spoke to the crowd. In the moment when God filled him with the Holy Spirit, as He was filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke in tongues, it was as much a moment as when He stood up and He said, listen to me, the Holy Spirit was using him in that moment. It's repeated for a reason. It was as much as when they spoke in tongues as it was when He spoke to the crowd. It was the Holy Spirit working through a person's life who is not perfect. I love Jesus more and more. And I won't allow my shortcomings to stop the Holy Spirit using me. And I pray that that's your prayer too. You know, as I think about it, the Holy Spirit loves us so much more than we realise. You know, June's a special month in our household. All of my girls have their birthdays and I often reflect on their birth and how beautiful they were. And as I look at it, I think, I saw you come into this world. I held you in my arms. As you were born, I was the first person to say, I love you. As they were born, Jesus gave up His life so that we could be born again. Because He was the first person to say, I love you. It says even before we knew Him. He gave up His life for us. Jesus was never going to let our imperfections stop us from a relationship with the Holy Spirit. We don't need to be perfect. We need to be forgiven and we need to be trying. Holy Spirit, use me. Holy Spirit, use me. So the question that I pose to you today all the questions is number one, a statement. I don't want you to go fishing. Don't, don't remove yourself when you feel you've disappointed God. Let's be a church 
that comes straight back to Jesus. Let's be a people that go, none of us are perfect, but you know what? We're transparent. We're confessing and we're going once again. Why? Because I want the Holy Spirit to use me and He will. So with every eye closed, it's a simple prayer today and I'll invite the band to come. The statement that I wrote when it comes to if I wanted people to remember anything was this, I'm not perfect, but the Holy Spirit can use me. So there is going to be a response today that I pray that you'll hold in your heart and it's very simple. I want you to stand this morning as we begin to sing a song. And if you stand, the statement that you're making is, Holy Spirit, could you use me in a new way? Holy Spirit, use me. I submit my life to you. I will try and listen and obey. I know I'm not perfect, but Holy Spirit, use me. So if that's you today, I'd invite you to stand in this moment. Ollie, if you bring the lights down. We're going to begin to sing right now. This is between you and God. Holy Spirit, use me. Holy Spirit, refill me. Stir up the fire within me.